Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is January 15th, 2023. Time is 6.01 p.m. And joining me as always is Big Daddy Prep. What's going on, man? How are you today? Um, I'm good. I'm just dealing with the constant and ever-changing Arkansas weather. Uh, when you wake up and just stick your toe outside and see if it's going to freeze off, whether or not it's going to be wet, whether it's going to be hot, you don't know what it's going to be. Um, they say we're going through weather change or climate change. Yeah, we're getting here for sure. It's strange weather this year. I got you. Yeah, we are. Uh, I we had a freeze come through last night. Had to disconnect the water pumps. Had to go out and reconnect them and stuff this morning. So we are we are definitely going through the ups and downs of uh, these weather weather patterns, and it sucks. I'm ready for winter to be over. Um, not a huge you're, fan you're of not- the winter. You're not going to believe this, but Jester, the other day, it was 74 at noon, and within 36 hours, it was 24. Wow. Yeah. That's yep. that's pretty wild. And uh, for those of you, the listeners that are out there, guys, my audio has been screwed up the last couple weeks here. We're running on a new mixing board. I don't know what the issue is, so if you're getting a little bit of static in the background or we sound a little distorted, eventually I am going to get this figured out. Uh, just so everybody knows, but Al, I've got some crazy updates to tell you about and well, bring them on, brother, bring them on (laughs) updates for our listeners as well. So number one, first and foremost is, um, a lot of you already know, but I'm going to tell you again, prep stock tickets are on sale. Uh, you can go to www.prepstock.ticketleap.com and get your tickets and find out more information about the event on there as well. Um, and I will be there this year. I'll be there this year. And I'm, I promise from last year I'll be there. And I'm going to tell everybody, get your tickets now because they are going to go up in price. If you plan on yep. attending, get your tickets now because I'm going to have to raise the prices on these as it as it gets closer to the event. Um, Absolutely. And this is a very big piece of news, Al, um, the, this next piece here. So we came to the conclusion this year that we are solely collecting ticket money just to pay for a venue to have prep stock, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's all going back, like we are only collecting the money just to pay a facility to to host this event. There's no money made off this, and because of the steady rate of inflation, you know, ticket prices can are going to go up every year. It's inevitable, Uh, right? Right. And it's it's getting to it's like it's at the point right now where for some people this is unaffordable, right? It happens, yes. I want to try to make this an affordable event and keep it affordable for the preppers and the, the people that are within this this prepping community and the homesteader survivalist community. 
And I figured there's only one way to do that. And the only one way to do that is to secure our own property for prep stock. Okay. Right. So this is what I did. I went out yesterday and I made a crowdfunding program to help us purchase a property for prep stock. All right. 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 So uh, for those of you that are out there, if you are inclined to donate to this uh, to help us purchase a property so we could have our own campground for prep stock, so we could have its own home to help keep ticket prices low, to have our own place that can't be touched and messed with, tickets go up, down, etc. If you want to help with this, go to www.freefunder.com. That's freefunder.com. And you're going to go to Discover. And under Discover, you're going to type in Home for Prep Stock. So once again, freefunder.com. Go to Discover, look up Home for Prep Stock, and you can go in there and you can donate. And if you donate so much, there's actually going to be some profit sharing involved with this. Because at some point, this is going to turn a, it is going to turn a little bit of a profit at some point. Um, so if anybody donates, they'll get to get a kickback. Not if anybody donates, if they donated a certain amount. But all the details are on the website, guys. Once again, freefunder.com. Home for prep stock is what you're going to want to look for under the Discover tab and help us get this property. Let's help get this going so we could do this from years to come without having to hike up these ticket prices. Uh, before we get into the show, the email, it's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode, guys, I wanted to kind of go backwards a little bit and do a little bit of stuff for the new prepper. Uh, I'm watching right. this community grow, right, Al? You're seeing it grow as right. well. Absolutely. Every year it grows. So I think it only makes sense if, if we kind of go back and talk about some of these new things that preppers need to be doing, um, places maybe they could shop and look for stuff, uh, different areas for them to focus on when it comes to stocking certain things, right? Right, right. You know, the first thing a prepper needs to have, Jester, is the will to want to be a prepper. And that's that's a thing right there. You have to kind of set a mindset to it. So... Once you realize that prepping is an intelligent thing to do and you think it's good for many, many situations, that's the first thing you got to put in your bag is the will to want to do it. I mean, you got to want to do this. You got to you got to put a little work in. I I agree 100 percent. There's a lot of people out there that have this mentality that they can half ass prepping nope. and, and you you simply can't. I mean. You could say to yourself, hey, I'm just going to have a bug out bag with a 72-hour food supply. Like, if things really get bad and I have to go, I can get out. And I understand that mentality of, of the bug out prepper, right? But, yep. but again, the fact of the matter is, if that bag's only good for 72 hours, that's all you have, right? What are you going to do, do at 80 hours? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. In, in, unless you're a seasoned survivalist, you're not going to live out of a backpack. The, the knowledge right. that you have to have with bushcraft, with foraging, there's so much knowledge there. People work on this skill set for years and still don't have it mastered. Right. And many of these survivalists that folks see on TV surviving have a crew of about 30 people that are filming and getting them coffee and doing all these things. So don't think just because someone's a prepper goes out and they show you how they're going to survive that they necessarily are a prepper because <laughs> they might be faking a lot of it. We know there's a lot of people out here that really don't know what they say they know. Oh so, yeah. 
100% exactly. So, guys, let me give you a friendly piece of advice. If you're a new prepper, plan on staying home. Don't plan on bugging out. You're going to be safer at home. Your shelter's there. Your security's there. Your weapons are there. Your food stocks are there. Unless something is happening that is so dangerous and you're being put in, in immediate harm, stay home. Right. Just stay home. Right. I always say that when it comes to bugging or bugging out, it's a it's a roll of the dice. Five sides of the dice are stay home and there's one that says go. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's like it's like a very small percentage of situations you really have to leave. But your best bet is to stay right where you're at. Don't leave. Right. And, uh, you know, so, guys, something to think about, too, is I know there's a lot of preppers out there that do the RV thing. And they're like, well, you know, people are going to say, well, there's people that bug out in their RVs all the time. Yes, but they're taking their homes with them, essentially. There are supplies. There are food rations. There's water filtration. There's guns. There's ammo. There's a lot of things that are in that RV ready to go. They're not just rolling out with a box with a bed in it. right? Right. Absolutely. You know, a lot of these RVs are, are pretty much fully stocked up, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and you have to cover the bases. I mean, just because they're on a rolling RV and they're they're bugging out their RV, they've still covered all their bases and their home is going with them. So, yeah, yeah, you're, you're 100% correct there, Jester. The bug in is way better than the bug out. I personally wouldn't bug out unless it was absolutely positively a life and death situation. No, no kidding. 100% agree with you, Al. So let's tear into, now that we've convinced all of you to stay home. Hopefully. Hopefully. And and not go out into the big bad apocalypse. uh, (laughs) Let's Uh talk about some things you should be stocking up within your home. Um, First and foremost, this is what I will say. Water, water filtration, water storage. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me when I say this. You're going to need water to drink. You're going to need water to cook. You're going to need water to deal with medical issues. You're going to need water to keep yourself clean. And you're going to need water for the dog. Right, Al? Absolutely, absolutely. There are basics that you have to cover, and water is the most basic. Understand, many, many people say, food's number one. Hold on a minute. You can drink water without eating, but you cannot eat without drinking period you must have water for digestion so that proves my point right there off the get-go you must have water should be your number one building block that you start with right and and i didn't even mention the idea of needing water to cook hey preppers do you want 10 percent off survival food go to www.readywise.com and use code doom10 at checkout for 10 percent off all your survival food needs Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Right. So that's... Cook, uh, rehydrate. Yep. I mean, that that's a big deal, guys. So let's just break this down in, in kind of five parts real quick. You're going to need to have a way to purify your water. Whether you're boiling it, whether you're filtering it, some apparatus to purify and clean that water with a backup, okay? Yep. The next thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be able to store mass amounts of water. So this could be as simple as filling up the bathtub, 
filling up some Tupperware containers. Maybe you have a bunch of old water jugs in the garage you plan on filling up. Maybe you've spent the money and you have the 55-gallon water drums. Have vessels to put the water in. And it's up to you how long you plan on, you know, keeping that water, how long you plan on utilizing it. The other thing I would suggest to you is have a way to renew your water source. If you have a way to do a rain collection system, if you have a well and you're trying to figure out how to power it, if the grid goes down, things like that. Figure out backups to acquire more water once you run through your supply. All right. I'm very I'm very close to a river, so I I have number one a river body of water and lakes around me, but I also have a well and have other means. But you have to be close to water. You you can't be every time you need a drink or you need some water traveling ten miles to get it. That's not going to get it, folks. Simply just not going to be feasible to do. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, with that being said, guys, you also got to get real smart about how you're utilizing your wastewater, right? If you take a bath in water and it's there and you're like, what do I do with this now? It doesn't need to get dumped down the drain. It could go to flush the toilet. All right. It can go to clean something else. You're not going to want to wash your dishes in your bath water, but this water is not necessarily wasted yet and can serve a different purpose. Okay. Absolutely. There are, there are different grades of water, water for consumption, water for washing the hand and for, you know, the cleansing water for all kinds of things. But no water, water never needs to be thrown out okay? and there's something can be used with that water, something get a use for it. Absolutely. So let's get into uh, oh, I think we should move into food next. And okay. Now, if you're a new prepper, I try to tell everybody this, new preppers, guys, work on accumulating a 30-day food supply, okay? Work, work on that before you go too big and, and above and beyond. And your 30-day food supply, guys, I, I kind of push this to everybody. Canned goods, canned goods, canned goods, canned goods. We sell. We are Al and I are affiliates for ReadyWise for emergency food. But I will tell you, the canned goods are the way to go. Number one, they're cheap to stock, okay? They absolutely are, all right? Right. All these canned goods are typically pre-cooked, which means you could crack them right open and eat them. So if you don't have a means to cook the food inside there, it's already ready to go and edible. Right? Right. The other thing is these foods... Yeah, the other thing is is these foods are already hydrated. They're they're ready to go. They already contain water. Um, So you're not having to sacrifice water to get these foods going. And they're really easy and cheap to stock up on. Right, and we all know what we like. You could stock right. the stuff you like, right, Al? Right, and 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 there are a lot of items that are out there. You know, you, you get your canned items, your dry items. But the longer the ability to store on a shelf and keep it good, the better off you are. Canned items last a long time; they last way past their expiration date. But like you said, they are already mostly all pre-cooked. They are fully hydrated and ready to be eaten right then. Um, as you progress past that, you start to progress into the dry items and the items you have to cook that are long-term. But let's don't get that in front of our skis. Let's go get a good plethora of, of, of canned items and have a nice selection. Start there first. Right. Ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, you could stock the foods you want to stock up on. If you're somebody that likes green beans or baked beans, stock those things first before you go out and say, you know what, I think I might want to try canned asparagus. It's not that good. Right. I've stocked it. I don't like it. Right. No, my kids don't even like it. I don't know too many people that do. 
I love it. But the, the canned asparagus. I mean, if you, yeah, I love, I love, I'll eat just about anything. I literally will eat almost anything. But see, that makes me perfect for these type of situations because I'm not very picky. I'll eat almost anything. But now you have a lot of people in the world, Jester, that are going to be new preppers that are very picky. They're used to being picky. You're going to have to not be as picky, folks, because frankly, I mean, you need food to survive. It may not exactly taste like something you want, but you should stock the items that you like first for sure because you want to eat something that you enjoy but um, yeah you know, long-term storage and canned items is a great way to go absolutely so guys the second thing i'd like to or the third thing i'd like to throw out on this list so we got your water all right we've got your food okay all right those things are covered i think okay. the next kind of road we should go down here is alternative cooking methods alternative heating methods mainly because it's winter time guys we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, if your primary cooking source in your house is a wood stove, you're going to be fine. If your your primary cook stove in your house is a, is an electric range, you're going to need to have a backup. Because if the grid fails, you're going to need to do something. If you got a barbecue grill outside that you could utilize to cook on, and you got propane stocked up, fine, fair enough, that'll work. If you don't, if you're in an apartment, if you're in an apartment type setting, they sell the little foldable um, propane cook stoves for camping. Uh, they fold up to nothing. They go in the closet. They go under the couch. They don't take up any room, really. Invest in one of those. No problem. No problem at all. And also, the same way that you're cooking, you also can use to clean water by boiling water and things like that. So this is multi-use items here. We always preach multi-use. And so th- just the second thing that goes into that, again, you know, if, you're, if your house is heated by a wood stove, great. If it's not, you know, and you have electric heat, that you're going to have a problem if the grid fails so again having one of the little buddy heaters or some sort of a a backup heat source is going to be good just be very careful and follow the manufacturer's recommendations because the last thing you want to do is give yourself carbon monoxide poisoning and end up killing yourself when you're trying to survive right you're not trying to survive to kill yourself no 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 and we're we're talking about the rudimentary things that new preppers need because there's so many people joining the prepping community nowadays, Jester. I mean, every time we have a bad situation happen, like a bad freeze or, or things like that, there's more people joined and they want to know how to do these things. So the old heads, that's great. We're glad that you're, you're way ahead of the game. But we're talking a lot to the newer people, and they don't know. So new right. folks ask questions, old folks answer questions. Right, and and that's 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 what I'm saying when I say that, like, there's so many – just the influx I keep seeing of people getting into the prepared preparedness community. I mean, there is a season for this and it's typically winter um, from what I've yep. seen, or it's around hurricane season, tornado season, storm season guys. The stuff we're telling you is not outlandish. We're not some Looney tunes. This is not anything that is that complicated to do. This isn't some overly expensive thing to do. We're not telling you guys to go out and get a bunker or go out and buy a machine gun no, this is very simple disaster ready ready preparedness that you guys can do to ensure that you're going to survive a bad situation or at the very least you're going to be able to ride something out more comfortably, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, let's get into, I think the next thing I'd like to get into with this is uh, the security side of things. A lot of preppers think that prepping and guns go hand in hand and if they're new they might think that like i need guns i need guns 
Guys, I love my guns. Absolutely love my guns. Uh, there are a lot of preppers out there who are felons, who have um, mental injunctions on their record and cannot purchase guns, right? Right. For the preppers that can and want to go out and purchase a gun, guys, I mean, I'm going to recommend a couple calibers. No matter what I recommend, you need to be proficient in it or there's no point of having it. You don't need to go out and stock 10,000 rounds. That's not a thing. Very simple. 22 LR, right? That's going to be your go-to. Right. That's going to be your go-to for hunting, your go-to for some defense. Okay, it's it's all around best caliber to have. It's cheap as shit to stock up on. If you're not proficient in firearms, you could practice very cheap because 22 LR runs about five to ten cents, maybe fifteen cents around now. So it doesn't right. cost you a shit ton of money to practice and get proficient. You'd agree with that, right, Al? Cheap. Uh, very quiet, very, uh, the expenditure is not that much. You can buy 22s literally for, for, uh, uh, rock bottom prices on top of that. If, like you said, if you're not proficient with something, if you don't know how it works, you shouldn't even have it. I mean, a gun, especially so buy a 22, get proficient with it. And then you can work out from there. But you're absolutely right. The 22 is like the ultimate caliber. Right, and then if you guys, uh, a lot of people automatically go to and think, I need an AR-15. If you if you like the AR-15 and you're proficient with the AR-15, by all means, get the AR-15. When it comes to defensive purposes, guys, I'm going to tell you what. Nobody's going to be running around running and gunning, okay? Yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but what I am going to say is statistically gunfights do not last long. So if you think you're going to be out there surviving multiple gunfights, unless you're highly trained, it's not going to happen. Your average person nope. is not surviving more than one gunfight. It's not going to be a thing. Um, if you want something for good defensive purposes, guys, honestly, nine mils the way to go, mainly because everybody is stocking that caliber anyway. So if shit really breaks bad, if shit hits the fan, you're more than likely going to run into that ammunition than any other one. Okay. I believe last year it was uh, 50% of all the rounds that were sold in the U.S. were 9mm. So that tells you how, how you know how big it is. So there you go. And for those of you that are out there saying, you know, well, Jester, Al, maybe you guys are wrong. I think that there are going to be these gunfights and stuff like that. So I do want to be prepared for it. So let me explain something to you. We're not saying these won't happen, okay? The likelihood of survival is very, very low. If this is something as a new prepper you want to get prepared for, you need to go take proficiency courses. All right? right. You need to be right. you need to get good training. You need to be going to the range. You need to be learning some hand-to-hand combat skills. It's awesome if you could shoot, but what happens when somebody gets that gun out of your hand? What are you going to do then? Right? Yeah, most people are going to wet themselves. I mean, that's really uh, seriously. Right. They're going to wet themselves. A lot of people are they're going to get the gun taken from you. If you're not proficient with these things and you're not used to handling them, you're going to get taken from you. So, uh, you know, with that being said, this is another reason to just stay home in the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. I spent years as a firearms instructor, and I'm going to tell you something. I took thousands of people through range-type settings and certifications. And let me tell you, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not proficient with something, you're not going to know how to use it in a pinch. That's for sure. So, yeah, maybe stay at home is a good idea instead of the gunfights. Right. I'm going to stay out of them. I'm going to stay home. So one more. (laughs) Well, yeah, me too. I'm going to try to avoid them as much as possible. Uh, So one more thing I want to get into before I I tear into the second part of this side 
is uh, so guys, I feel like we've covered a lot of the bases of what the stock, what you should have, what's going to help ensure survival right off the cut, like right off the rip. This is what you're going to need to be doing if you're new to prepping. But one thing I want to throw out there too, do not under any circumstance start bragging that you're a prepper, start sharing all this information. Don't involve family, friends, loved ones, and coworkers unless they are people you would absolutely trust, not just with your life, but with your children's life, with your spouse's life, with your dog's life. Because when shit hits the fan and they show up, that's going to be a requirement that you have to trust them with all of these lives that you hold hold near and dear to your heart. Okay? Right. right. So, uh... I don't tell people I'm a prepper. I don't... I, I keep it to myself. I don't say I'm a prepper. I don't wear a t-shirt that says, hi, let's have a good prepper day. I don't do that. <laughs> hi, let's have a good prepper I don't, day. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, we, you might end up seeing those in the It's Doomsday podcast merch store soon. Uh, anyway. There you go. <laughs> All right, so guys, I wanted to get into the second part of this episode is some of the prepper terminology. Because if you're getting into the prepper mindset, you're going to start hearing terms and see things thrown around. And I feel like it's better if you guys have some definitions and understand this terminology rather than confusion. Right? So, a B.O.B., a bug out bag. This is a bag that you're going to see the acronym B.O.B. a lot. And this is a bag solely designed to get you out of a bad situation, out of a bad circumstance. Get out of the house if things are breaking bad. And you're going to see some of these bags are going to be labeled 24-hour bag, 36-hour bag, 72-hour bag, etc. Right? And all that means is that's the length of time they're estimating survival based on this bag. So if it says 72-hour bag, it might have a 72-hour water and food supply in it. That's it. That's what that means. Um, right. That's, that's the, thank God I had it bag right there. Thank God I had this right now when something happened. That's, that's what it is. Exactly. Um, so one more bag I want to talk about in here for you guys is the inch bag. Inch is an acronym for I'm never coming home. This is a bag that is very extensive compared to your bug out bags. This is a bag that you're meant to be able to live out of for a very long, extensive period of time. Um, in, just so everybody's aware, you're not putting a lifetime food supply in a backpack, all right? It's not going to happen. So a lot of this, uh, of what you're going to have in these bags is seed banks, ways to grow food, books on foraging, guides on guides on wood foraging, um, different survival tools you're going to need to have to make shelters, things like this. The inch bag is a very bigger, heavier, more involved bag. This is not like a bugging out situation. Okay. Right. This is going to be a way to take down small game, um, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. This is this is the this is the really survival bag. Right. I really need to survive for a long period of time. So uh, the other thing here is we're going to talk about is going to be a BOV, which is your bug out vehicle. All right. You're going to hear that term terminology thrown around a lot. Everybody out there that's a prepper, I swear to God, has a different opinion on what should be in a bug-out vehicle, what shouldn't be in a bug-out vehicle, how it should be built, what it should be capable of, all these things, right? Right. And I know there's people out there that are going to get mad at me when I say this, but this is the God's honest truth. If you are selecting a two-wheel drive vehicle for your bug-out vehicle, you are not a prepper. Because anybody knows, and everybody knows this, if, if it comes time to where you got to bug out, 
Other people are going to be on the streets and highways and roads. Things may be shut down. It's 99.9% likely you're going to have to take that vehicle off the pavement at some point. All right? Right. And you cannot jurisdict or, or predict if it's going to be rainy, if it's going to be snowy, wet, muddy conditions. You don't know. So if you right. think, oh, I'm, I'm going to bug out in Honda Civic, and that's going to go fine off-road as long as it's dry. Who is saying it's going to be dry? Right? Right. Nobody is saying that you need a tank to bug out. Um, it's, it's not, a, you know, that's not a requirement for doomsday. You don't need a tank. But... The idea is that if you're going to go through the trouble of building a bug out vehicle, you need to make sure that this is capable of getting you off the road. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to bug out to Walmart? Where are you going? Right. My only bug out vehicle that's two wheel drive is, uh, you know what the brand is? It's Nike. Because I wouldn't even think about taking a two wheel drive. <laughs> that's right. serious, Jester. Uh, two wheel drive. The only thing is my feet. I mean, my bug out vehicle is a H2 Hummer. So, yeah. There you go. And, you know, I mean, but now, folks, understand, everybody's bug-out vehicle is different. And, and you know, folks get really bad when you start judging their bug-out vehicle. So, it's right. to your own. But you need to be able to get somewhere. Yeah. So, that's so, that's that's the big thing with these bug-out vehicles. They need to be capable of getting where you're going. All right. And they need to be able to either be preloaded or quick load and go. You don't want to spend right. eight hours packing up the house to get the hell out of Dodge. If shit breaks bad, you're going to have to get out of there immediately, right? Right. So my my bug-out vehicle consists of a lot of camping supplies, okay, water filtration, comms, flashlights, emergency shelters, and a few emergency food kits, right? Right. In, in the, the only thing I really don't keep in there is firearms just because I don't like leaving firearms unattended in the vehicle. That's it. No, we don't do that either. Right. No. So I'll, I'll grab those when it comes time to leave. Uh, and don't show people your bug out vehicle either. Keep your bug out vehicle to yourself because you might find if a bad situation happens, your bug out vehicle might be someone else's bug out vehicle before it's over with. So, no, don't show that. Keep that to yourself. There you go. Uh, so, the next thing I wanted to get into is a term you're going to hear thrown around a lot are Faraday cages. You're going to hear this terminology thrown around a lot. So a Faraday cage is designed, you've got two kinds of Faraday cages, uh, and this is my opinion, other people are going to disagree with me, but you have Faraday cages that are designed specifically to protect against EMP, and then you have different Faraday bags that are designed to stop signal. So if you don't want your cell phone being tracked, you drop your phone in this this no signal in out bag, which is also a Faraday cage, but not in the sense of protecting against an EMP, mainly for stopping signal. For those of you guys that don't know what an EMP is, you're going to hear the term EMP a lot, okay? Right. If you're new here. And EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse, and this can come from a high-altitude detonated nuclear weapon. Um, for everybody that says, well, an EMP would never happen, blah, 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 that, that's cool because there are naturally occurring ones as well. Um, yep. Due to, uh, you got the solar flares in the, are they, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, I'm going to butcher this, upper ionic bursts, is that the right terminology for that? I believe so, yes. So and they're naturally occurring. Yes, they are naturally occurring. Um, now, before you say, you know, there there's no nukes that are going to be detonated up in the upper atmosphere, if a country would start launching nukes at us, our goal is to destroy those up in the upper atmosphere and not let them hit the ground. 
which means we're going to have EMPs going off. Uh, it's inevitable Absolutely. if we're trying to save ourselves from these. It's just going to happen. Uh, right. So, yeah, so that's the main reason of having the Faraday cages is, is for the protection of EMP. And this is to protect your electronics, your comms, whatever radios you may have. Uh, maybe if you have, uh, you know, important files and documents stored on a jump drive or um, different, like, important files and, and financial records stored on some kind of a, a hard drive, you would put that stuff in the, these EMP-proof things so nothing bad would happen. Some people even go as far as they've got a vehicle with an ECU that is their bug-out vehicle. They remove the ECU, and they put the ECU in a Faraday cage just in case things would break bad. After an EMP, they could put this in. Now, here's the thing about the EMP. You're not going to know that this happened. This is invisible. It doesn't affect you. Right. You just turn on everything, and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't work anymore. Right. I mean, that's that's basically it. You'll never have any forewarning on this, I assure you. Mm -mm. It'll just be over with, and nothing will work anymore. Um, it's just a fact. And it happens naturally as well as man-made. So we all try to prepare for this. Hey Preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Absolutely. So the next thing uh, I think we're, we need to get into a little bit here is... Uh, solar generators. Okay. You're going to hear a lot about solar generators because they're like the new big bad thing in prepping. Everybody wants a solar generator. I've got a few. Uh, I know other people have a bunch. There's, they're your go-to. A solar generator is basically, for those of you guys that don't know, and I have no brand recommendations for these either, go out and do your own research. Excuse me. A solar generator is a standalone power unit. It comes with a panel, it comes with a box. The solar panel is designed to gain energy from the sun and sends it to this box where it is stored and converts it over from DC power to AC power so you could run things like grandma's oxygen or a CPAP machine or recharge your cell phone in the event of a power outage or maybe keep your refrigerator cool, maybe turn the TV on so the kids are happy, something like that. This is an alternative power source that is portable that you could utilize in the event of grid failure. And a lot of people are buying these now just for the sake of going camping because a lot of people like to go camping in primitive campsites, but they're like, it sucks, there's no power. So let me bring a solar generator so I can have my own power. That's what a lot of people are doing now. And it seems to be a very, um, it seems to be a very up and coming thing. It seems to be a big fad. I don't know too many preppers who don't have solar generators now. They're so common. Right. They're very common, and they're becoming way more. I mean, a few years ago, they were very, very expensive. The price is coming down. Well, when you sell more items, the price eventually comes down, and that's what's happening. Um, everybody wants one. Everybody's coming out with one. But you have to do your own research on what kind fits your needs. Exactly, 100%. Uh, so, guys, you're going to also hear some terminology when people are talking about water filtration, uh, as in microns. Um, fil water filtration is, is rated on micron, right? 
the best you're going to see on the market on the average is half a micron. So uh, zero point half micron. So it's like 0.05 micron is what it's going to be like. That's about the lowest they go down to. And this is basically telling you that this filter is going to take out the smallest of bacteria. Um, you know, if, if you go out and you buy a filter that's a high micron, it's not going to take out things like Giardia, which is also known as beaver fever, um, right. you know, things that are within this water. So when you're going out and you're buying these water filters, the lower the micron, the better. Just to give you guys an example of, of how these microns work, your standard cartridge filter you have in your house could be anywhere from 5 to 50 microns depending on its purpose and what it's designed to do all right when you're when you're talking survival you want to be below one micron because you don't know what kind of nasty stuff you're going to be getting out of the water and you want to get it all the nasty out that you can get out folks seriously you want to make sure that you have a good filtration system and i still like to boil my water and do all those things but you definitely want to get everything out of the water because if you think a situation is bad the situation itself just get sick or get really ill or be close to dying and still deal with the situation right so uh one other term I think that we should throw out, too, is you guys are going to hear the term thrown around a lot, uh, comms. Comms is short for communications. This is any alternative method of communication outside of your typical cell phone and sending somebody an email. This is going to be your ham radios, your two-ways, your CB radios, walkie-talkies. Any Anything alternative is going to be your comms. And you're going to hear a lot of preppers throwing out these different comms terms. Uh and we're not going to go into all the comms, you know, in, in this episode, but we'll we'll cover them at some point. The main purpose of this episode is that if you're new here and you're getting into the prepper realm, we want to make sure you're getting off to a good start and not a bad one. Um, right. And this, this segues into me. This segues into the next thing I wanted to talk about, Al. The, the fear porn, the misinformation, the scary stuff. That's what I really wanted to get into today. Right, right. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah, yeah. It, this could be a daunting thing when you're talking about prepping. And there's a lot of people out there that they try to sell you things that you don't necessarily need off the fear porn. There are people out there that lead you the wrong direction into you need this, you need this. Um, it's everybody to their own. We can just give you the best of our knowledge, but, you know, everybody knows what they need and everybody's preps are different. Right. And, and you know, that's the big thing. So, a lot of your fear porn is going to come from somebody trying to sell you something. Okay. Right. The world's scary. It's going to end by this. You'll live. Right. I, I see this time and time again. I see this at different prepper events. This is something that goes on. Be scared, be in fear, buy my product. Don't do that shit. Don't, don't buy into it. Don't do it because there are plenty of people out there that'll tell you the items you need to have and the items you don't need to have and things are going to help ensure your survival without charging you a shit ton of money to do so, right? Right. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no reason to go out and buy a $5,000 solar generator for the purpose of bugging out. It's not a thing. No. No. It's also the people that try to tell you that you need this right now because everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket and you're all going to die, but their company has a 10-year uh, future plan. Well, how can you have a 10-year future plan if we're all going to die right now and I've got to buy this right now? 
themselves. Right. Buy, buy, Be hey, educated. <laughs> hey, Al, buy this product that's going to save your life because uh, the world's ending in two, wait, two weeks. And, oh, by the way, did I mention it's got a lifetime warranty? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly right. You know, exactly right. You know, everybody's preps are different. Um, the only thing I could add to what we're talking about prep-wise, and this is just kind of like a generalization of it, is medical kits or medications and things that you need. Maybe you have a specific illness or, or whatever it might be. Like my wife is uh, asthmatic, so I know she has to have asthma medications, things like that. Those are things that you definitely need to have stuck back and, you know, have those kind of things for yourself. For Maybe you take insulin, so yeah, have an extra insulin and things like that. But that's just 30 on top of everything else. So I'll, I'll tell you what, on that note, maybe next week we could cover, uh, we could cover toiletries and medications. Right, right. That's it's a great idea because everybody's different. Right. I don't yeah. have any real medical issues, so I don't have to worry about it. But my wife does, so completely different preps. All right. So uh, there's one more thing I wanted to cover uh, on this episode today. So first off, the the fear porn. Once again, it's going to come from the media, and this is going to lead us into another term that you're going to hear a lot: is panic buying. Okay. Now, panic buying happens all of the time. This is not a myth. This is not something that doesn't happen. This happens before hurricanes, before tornadoes, before snowstorms. People go out. They're in fear. They buy everything up out of the grocery store. Next thing you know, you're out of milk. You're out of eggs. You're out of toilet paper. You're out of bread. Things are not on the shelves. This is called panic buying. And we watch this take place every year throughout the United States. Okay? It, It never stops. This happens every single year. When I lived in Florida, I saw it a lot. Every year the panic buying happened. You could avoid this by having the supplies and things that you need ahead of time in your home. And if you're buying things that are shelf-stable and you have backups to backups, um, you're going to be good, right? I saw panic buying in Florida for certain items when I lived there and now live in Arkansas, and it's panic buying for different items. But, you know, as soon as they say ice... Oh, my God, Arkansas, there's not a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk anywhere in the state. But everybody can have plenty of milk and bread at home, but they're going out and get more. The bread man actually told me one time that he stocks extra bread because he knows all these idiots are going to buy bread. I swear, he told me that exactly out of his mouth. That's, I, that's I, I funny. It. Proved, proved it, my point. Um, so, uh, guys, one last thing, and then we're going to get out of here. The most valuable thing I can share with you guys, the the most valuable words of wisdom for today's episode, for all the new doomsday preppers, the use one, buy two rule. Guys, this will help you get stocked up quick. If you use one, buy two. Use one, buy two. This goes for your soap to your toothpaste, toilet paper, paper towels, whatever it is that you want to stock up on. The use one, buy two, buy, excuse me, use one, buy two rule. Because two is one and one is none. That's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Al, you got anything else you want to add before we're out of here, man? Well, I just wanted to say, you know, my father-in-law, one of the greatest compliments he ever gives me is every time he gripes about the cabinets being full and this is full and the freezer's full, as he's griping about it, I always say that's the greatest compliment he can give me. I'm prepared for just about anything. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great, guys. And uh, next week's episode, prepping toiletries and medications. We will see you guys there. Once again, the email, guys, drop us a line. It's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody.
This is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.